0: Hey everyone, I'm Gracie. Welcome to the Grace of a Military Child podcast. The world should know how unique military children are. We may look like normal children on the outside, but we go through some pretty extraordinary circumstances that shape us to the leaders we are today. Keep listening to hear the incredible journey this week's guest has been on. Hi Jennifer, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. Yes, of course. I'm super excited to have you and for you to be on here. Well, I hopefully will tell a story that a military kid hasn't already told you. We all live such gypsy lives. Yes, every life is different. So tell me a little bit about your parent who served and what it was like growing up as a military kid. Yeah.
1: So my dad's a retired colonel in the Air Force. He was NATO. He was a commander. So I always just tell people I was born in Arizona, went to Texas, Oklahoma, Virginia, Germany, Oklahoma, Mississippi, Kansas, Italy, Kansas. So we moved every two to four years. And um, the longest place we ever lived anywhere was four years in Germany.
0: Oh, my goodness. What was it like living in Germany? Girl, it was amazing.
1: At the time when you're a kid, you don't really realize how cool it is. Um, I always think military families on bases abroad have two mindsets. One who kind of stays on base and lives in many America. And then the other ones who are adventurers, who go off base, see different things. My dad and mom, every weekend took uh, took us to a different castle, chateau, everywhere. So We've been everywhere across Western Europe for four years. And then um, our school would have school ski trips to Austria and Bavaria and school like cruises down the Rhine River. And like, you know, it's it was kind of a bit of a fairy tale.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it. It's not, you know, every day you get to go on a ski trip with your school or, you know, just explore Europe.
1: I, you know, you get spoiled. Like one of our favorite stories, and sorry, you can probably hear my crazy dogs, was that like you grow up skiing Garmisch-Partenkirchen and like Bavaria, and then my dad was supposed to get stationed in Norway, and we were going to move. It was going to be super cool. And then whoever he was going to replace didn't make rank or whatever happened, so it fell through. And then before I knew it, we were moving to Oklahoma, which I was like, you know, like Norway to Oklahoma. So um, it was kind of always something different to be expected.
0: Yeah. You never know like where you're going to move next or what's going to happen next or you never know. I know. And I was talking to my dad about this this weekend
1: because we never got a chance to feel sorry for ourselves. My dad was a tough military guy and Basically, like when he would go on weekend adventures, it was you behaved or you didn't come Um, in terms of moving. We were told we didn't have a choice. Like there was no feeling sorry for ourselves. It was suck it up and keep going. So in life, as like real life happened to me outside of being a military kid, I never dwelled on feeling sorry for myself when bad things happened. I always just was like. Okay, cool, head on, face first, you know, plow through it. And I think that was a benefit of being a military kid with no options or choices to feel sorry for oneself.
0: Yeah, you have to kind of just, you know, you get your orders and you go or, you know, those events like you have to, you know, be professional. And from a military kid, you know, the second you can remember to, you know, the rest of your life, you're learning how to be professional and be maturing at a more rapid pace than the rest of the normal kids do.
1: And I obviously am not mature yet. <laughs> I have not mastered that one. But the crazy part from a kid standpoint is none of us signed up for it. We didn't enlist. We didn't choose to be in the military. However, we're born into it. And you're kind of all just in the boat together. And I think when I reflect on it now, I see some kids through my childhood who who flourished and did great, others who I wish I could go back and give hugs to because I know it was hard for them. Um, So I think um, we went from different schools from on bases to international schools to public schools to wherever. And um, I just, hindsight and perspective of being an old lady is always so different, but I hope my, my goal was always be Switzerland, be nice to everyone and just don't be a jerk was kind of my whole philosophy always.
0: Yeah. It's definitely hard, you know, being around military kids and, you know, you never know what they're going through. You never know what their, you know, background situations have been, where they've lived, you know, how many deployments you never really know that. And so having to, you know, kind of just meet someone and try and be friends with them. It's hard to understand exactly what their situation has been like. And so you kind of just have to be nice to them and, you know, try and be understanding of whatever situation they've gone through.
1: And like, I think the thing is, is as you do this podcast and you identify with other kids who've been on this adventure of different ages, like, I always want to bring a realness to it. I had two older brothers who are half siblings who didn't like they were high school. I think it depends on what age of puberty you are moving. So if a moving hits at an okay time where you're like, cool, yay, great. Other times you get angry and upset. I had one brother who um, made a lot of bad choices, ended up getting in trouble and all this good stuff that reflected on my dad and Um, his career. And it was that whole behind the door scenes of dysfunction that was going on and still having to play the role of being commander's family and pretend we were doing better than we were and all that stuff. So I always think if someone hears this, I just want everyone to never, ever feel alone or to think that, um, you know, I think people have gotten very good that We all know that social media presents a perfect face forward that is no longer what everyone thinks is perfect anymore. I I just think in the military, it's even harder because we reflect on our parents as kids. And at the time, you're supposed to rebel and be idiots and all that. So it's really hard when you can't because it'll get your parents in trouble.
0: Yeah, you have to live up to these standards. And a lot of people don't realize it or, find it strange when they find out about it, that your actions reflect on your service members, you know, career. And if you mess up, then they're going to get in trouble because of you. And it's not necessarily that, okay, you're in a public school, you mess up, you know, you go to the principal's office, you, you know, it's reflected on you in the military. should be reflected on you, but it's also reflected on your parents as well, and a lot of people don't realize that.
1: Well, and as kids, you're not really supposed to care. Like, we're supposed to be selfish humans as kids. I'm now 46, so I'm no longer a child, but um, when you're a kid, you're not supposed to think about that, and it's hard enough to be a kid anyway. I remember we lived on base um, at Keesler and Biloxi, and my dad was commander, and People used to rat us out for speeding all the time to my dad. And I was a lifeguard at the base pool. And my dad was just like, you know, that's fine as long as you don't date any servicemen. Like that was the only rule in our house was that I couldn't go out with any military people, which I was young anyway. So but it just, you know, I remember My sophomore year of high school, it was Desert Storm, and my dad had a phone that was just kind of what commanders had in private. And basically, we knew any day he could go away. And one day I just came home from school and he was gone for a year in Desert Storm. He missed my whole sophomore year from beginning to end to all of that. And when I went to college, he was in the Bosnian-Serb conflict. And, you know, my uncle had to move me in and stuff. So he was always on TDY and whatnot. And that was just the nature of the beast.
0: Yeah. What is it like? you know, many military families and military children can, you know, relate that there's so many big events that are missed, whether that be a school or birthdays or Christmas. So what is it like having a parent not be there for these, these milestones?
1: When, when you think about a parent missing those things at the time, we never dwelled on it. Like my dad was my dad and like, my mom was stuck raising us. I think the hardest for my poor mother was when I got my license and my dad was gone. And like, I was a nerdy, good kid. But for some reason at that phase, I remember my mom going, you know, be home at this time. And I'd be like, no, I'm out. Like (laughs) my poor mother putting up with us while he was gone at Desert Storm. We never held it against him. But it wasn't till years later, so my parents got divorced, let's see, when I was a freshman in college, and my dad went back to get a second master's at KU, where I was going to school, and we had class together. And it wasn't until I actually got to know my dad in my 20s did I realize how much I didn't know my dad. So I think as kids, we always just accept it, and like you can go, oh, he missed this but most of us don't most of us just cope with it and d- go with it we don't realize till later when we're older like oh poo like did i have a messed up childhood like you do you realize that things weren't standard or normal but our normal is abnormal so we're used to it i i never held resentments about it i sometimes as in life realize i'm a lone wolf i don't need much to make me happy my husband knows that i am strongly independent to a fault. Um, And I realized through some of life things that I don't have as many people around me because I never made that an issue that I had to be surrounded by people. So I think I just missing things was just normal. And like, yeah, it would have been nice if my parents had moved me into college, but I jumped on to another friend and their parents and you just accept it and cope and deal with it.
0: Yeah, there's some things where it's like you can dwell on it for a second, but then it's like, okay, you've got to, you know, pick up and move on. Uh, When my dad deployed, I was literally on the week or for a week on the couch, like crying, sobbing, like just because he wasn't there. And my mom kept telling me, she was like, you can't do this for the next 400 days. Like you have to pick up and keep moving. Like you still have to go to school. You still have to, you know, I think we were in cheerleading at the time. So like you still have to pick up and keep going and you can't, you know, let one little thing get to you, especially as a military kid.
1: Well, and the hard part is when you become a mom and you later realize how hard that was for your mom to have to do it, too, to like cope with your dad being gone, plus keep you guys from not going crazy like There's so many little mini stories that happen within one military family. I think that's why I love what I get to do because um, as hard as it is, I get to like just give hugs to people that I know every single one of us have sacrificed something big or small along our journey to help our parents do what they need to do.
0: Yeah, and that's something that like, you know, everyone, military-related, has sacrificed something. And, you know, like you just said, whether it's big or small, everyone has gone through something where they had to give up something, where they had to, you know, miss moments that, you know, they shouldn't have missed. Or, you know, we live such a different life where we just have to go with the flow. We have to to live life to the fullest and we have to live in the moment because we don't know what the future holds when we're going to move again when you know when our parents going to deploy we don't know and so you have to be able to live in the moment and know it's not going to stay this way for long you know it's going to move on
1: well I always thought as a kid I was like, okay, cool. I get to be a bunch of different people. That could be why I still dress up and change my hair and change my vibe all the time. Because every time I moved, I got to be someone else if I wanted to. And if you turn it into a positive, it's a good thing. Like, I mean, I have friends all over the world because of the adventures. I've tried many different sports clubs, hobbies, whatever. And I lived many different stories. So I just always, when people ask like where I'm from, I'm always like, I'm a global gypsy. And, you know, they always ask me my favorite place. And I always say Germany because that's when I defined who I think I thought I would become and all that good stuff. But I think for our, anyone listening it's really just flipping it into an annoying positive as much as you can and we all know how hard that is but if you do that your journey will be much kinder to you
0: yeah you have to to be positive about whatever situation that you know the military hands to you the world hands to you and you have to you know just take it and try to make the best out of it because if you You know, if you are going to be that person who's going to, you know, not be happy during this move or, you know, be upset that your friend is moving or whatever the case may be, you're going to miss out on something else. And, you know, whether that move be from the United States to another country, you're going to miss out on that other country if you're, you know, missing the United States. And it's not every day someone gets to move to a new country. So you have to kind of take these moments and just live in the moment instead of kind of reflecting back on what you don't have anymore.
1: Exactly. I always said, it's not saying goodbye. It's just see you later. And I always cross paths with people. Like I remember like, My fourth grade boyfriend from Germany, Kenny Timmy, and I saw him randomly in eighth grade in Oklahoma in the commissary. And then I had my friend Tony, who was in fourth grade in Germany, and then he was in my senior class in Mississippi. So like we all cross paths and now with social media, like no joke. I'm still friends with a lot of my military friends. So I keep up with them, though I've not seen them for years. I still feel like I know what's going on with them. So I love that. And like I belong to different groups, like there's ones for our international school in Holland, or there's a group that says, um, you know, you're a military brat if and they always post dumb stuff. So um, I, I think the best thing you could do is embrace whatever adventure you're about to have.
0: Yeah. And social media, you know, it seems like such a negative thing at some aspects of it. But for the military community, it's so positive because, you know, years ago, it was the only way to communicate was like writing letters, making phone calls. (laughs) You weren't even alive for that. (laughs) I I had to live
1: in that phase. That's Crazy. (laughs) Like, You guys are so lucky. I remember backpacking Europe, and there were internet cafes, and we had to do phone booths, and that is hard. I mean, it was fun because my parents couldn't track me, and I was all
0: over the Europe. But like for you guys, you have the world at your fingertips easily. Yes, it's so much easier to stay in contact with people, and the you know keep up with people, and you know just find people that. You know, you completely forgot about and, you know, stay connected with these friends that, you know, military friends are basically lifelong friends. They become part of your family. And so you're basically staying in touch with family then with social media.
1: Yeah, I would never do it different. I wouldn't choose differently. I mean, and I, I would be lying if I didn't say I had moments where I got jealous of people who had been friends since they were fetuses in kindergarten. I can't say that. However, you know, I can walk into a room where I know no one and leave that room with a bunch of best friends that I just met and like, make friends really quickly. So, you know, I think there's pros and cons to both.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, having friends from childhood is incredible. And you grew up being best friends. And, you know, it's that picture perfect life of living next door to each other or whatever the case may be. But with the military, we have that ability to just connect with people and that's just how we live. You have to be able to walk into that room where, you know, no one and be like, okay, well, I'm just gonna go and try to make friends. Like you have to try and do that. And you have to put yourself out there sometimes, because if you don't do that, you're not going to get very far, especially in the military life.
1: I know. And I think the thing, if anyone listens, I would say this is, Seek out the people that you know are having a rough time. Take the extra effort to see the person who's not adapted to military life as well as you. And I am just such a fan of the underdog in life that if if anyone can help someone who's not, I think everyone's very kind nowadays. However, I think because we're so in our phones and our world that sometimes we don't stop to be in front of someone to help them through it. We can say it on social media, but actions speak far louder than words.
0: Yeah, and it's, you know, as simple as going and sitting next to the new kid in lunch or, you know, I remember moving to Texas. It was my first time moving and they pair you. I don't know if all military schools do this, but they paired me with, Um, a girl in my class and I was able to, you know, make friends with her. She showed me around um, the school. They basically give you a built-in friend where when you move there and my sister had the same way. And then I had the opportunity to be that to someone else in middle school. And, you know, just having someone that's like, okay, I want to be your friend. Like I want to help you because transitioning schools is not easy. And so having someone be there to help you makes a world of a difference. Oh, my
1: gosh. I always remember those first days of school when you just move there and you're like, oh, I know in a few months I'm going to have a bunch of friends, but this sucks. Like, I love school. Like, my child makes fun of me because I was a nerdy kid that I loved school. It was a chance I got to, like, talk to everyone and make friends. So I loved it. But being new was always just... You'd get the pit in your stomach. You'd suck it up and go because you knew you had to. But it was always like, I hope they like me. Yeah. <laughs> and you always knew like your friend group would evolve as the adventure evolved. But it just was it's not hard. It's not easy. It's it's hard to be a military kid. And so often it's just quietly expected of everyone and and so many kids every day are super brave on starting new schools and doing it all over again as many times as their parent needs
0: yeah many kids you know some don't move at all really I've only been to like three different schools Or like three different states, three different schools, whatever. But some kids move every year throughout high school. And that's like the hardest thing to do because those are like your prime years, you know, growing up and having to move your freshman year, your sophomore year, your junior year, your senior year, and have to make those different friend groups, you know, make those memories. It's so hard to just, you know, stay in one spot and try to make the most of just living in that one area. Yeah, I know. I couldn't imagine. It was funny. I was just not, nah, it's funny. I
1: was at a funeral and I saw a girl that we went to ninth grade together in Oklahoma. And then later we were in college in the same sorority together and just we were laughing that we were like pages at the Oklahoma City count, cap- like Capitol, because our dads were both at Tinker Air Force Base. And like, I just think everyone, despite all their adventures, whether they move a lot or a little, um, you still end up just connecting at some point. I just, I love the random adventures when you happen upon someone else. Or if I meet someone like, and they say they're retired military, you can quickly say, oh, what branch? Where are you, were you stationed? And instantly you can connect. Someone says, Germany, the odds are high that we've probably crossed. The same, or gone to the same places in Germany and loved the same things. So I, I find it so fun to play the game of where'd you go? Where were you stationed and start the stories.
0: Yeah, it's so interesting, you know, especially now doing the podcast, it's like connecting with all these military kids and being like, okay, you've been here while I was there. And, you know, um, I recorded one and her dad was in San Antonio working in the hospital the same year my dad was in the hospital. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, things like that where you can like connect the dots and uh, everyone, you know, crosses paths with someone that they don't realize will be as important in their lives as, you know, it truly becomes. And it's just so, it's crazy looking back at it. It is really crazy to see, you know, how many people I've crossed paths with, how many people, you know, are my best friends. And, you know, just seeing the military just journey of everyone, it's so crazy. Well, if you think about it, It
1: teaches you the lesson to never burn a bridge. Yes. Because you never know when you'll cross paths again. Um, The skill sets I've learned as a human are like amazing. So I always, I never thought the military adventure would ever turn into anything in my world. My dad knew I don't wear, like I can't wear polyester outfits. Like I would never be military because I would not like the outfits. My dad used to joke about that in high school because he just And I I cannot take orders very well, but like now I'm doing the show helping military veterans. But then I also... A friend of mine works for Hallmark Cards and he's a creative person. And he got this project in San Francisco of a hotel and it's a military hotel, boutique hotel called the um, Marine Memorial. And I'm getting to help their redefinition of the hotel and design the hotel. So I report to a general and the board of retired military people. And because my dad was commander, I know how to hang with, you know, grownups that, you know, led a lot of people in the military. So I know how to show proper respect. I also know how to hold my own in the conversation and sound not like an idiot, hopefully. Um, So that's the fun is it's just worlds colliding. I always say it's like the Wizard of Oz when she wakes up at the inn and she's like, and you were there and you were there. And I just think um, that's my life now is weirdly all these people played a role and I didn't realize till now what it was supposed to be.
0: Yeah. So how did like getting out of high school, how was it like transitioning into a space where you knew that you know, not that military wasn't going to be a huge part, but you were time it was time for you to start your own adventure and create your own path.
1: That's a good question because you know what? Everyone remembers when their ID card expires and all of a sudden you're supposed to be like a grown up. And like, (laughs) I remember through college, I was able to still use my ID card and go to the local base. So I went to university of Kansas Leavenworth was nearby. So if I need to go to the doctor, I could go there. When I started having to go to like normal doctors and go out into the world, I was like, what is this? Like, it was so weird. So I, Ended up, I so I have a master's degree in education. I was an art teacher long before anything else, but I decided. I wasn't done with the military life. So I did my student teaching to be a teacher through the Department of Defense. And I was scheduled to go teach at the American School in London to be in, uh, like, a, do my student teaching there. At the last minute, they were like, no, it's not going to work. We have construction, blah, blah, blah. The other girl who was supposed to do it, she's like, fine, I'll just stay in the Midwest. And I was like, I'm not staying in the Midwest. (laughs) What is wrong with you people? I was like, what other countries can I go to? So it was through the Department of Defense. And I signed up to go to a Navy base in Italy and teach art for to middle schoolers over there. And I just remember being dropped in Rome by myself with six bags. I didn't speak Italian, but I spoke Spanish, which was close. And I had to figure out how to get two hours south from Rome to Naples on my own. And like, I probably should have been murdered along the way, but I made friends. I spoke Spanish close to Italian and I got there in the end. So I did my student teaching abroad on base. And my dad jokingly was like, well, why aren't you at Aviano on an air force base? Why are you on a Navy base? Cause you know how dumb everyone is about the branches. Um, but it was fun because, um, teaching on a Navy base, it was like, all of a sudden I got to be on the other side of it. But still a part of the military, so I kind of lingered a little longer because I, um, it, it's hard to leave that life. It's hard to have that structure to go to now. Have to push away from a nest and do your own thing and not fall flat on your face. So that was kind of one of my mid steps. And then after that, I fell in love with an Englishman and moved to the Midwest and became a teacher for a little bit till television.
0: Yeah, it's definitely hard. You know, I'm even dreading the day that it's like you have to, you know, your ID card expires and, you know, you have to, you know, kind of make a make your life your own. Um, You rely on the military. And I mean, I'm saying this and I didn't have as much experience as many people do. Um, But you rely on the military, you rely on you know, the military family that you build and then it's like, okay, well, I have to go make my life my own and I have to, you know, pave my own path. And it's like, you know, you're prepared to do this and the military does a fantastic job preparing you for it, but you grow up with the military. And then it's like, okay, well, you know, it feels weird leaving and you're not really leaving, but It feels weird making that transition. There's
1: no like big party that says, congrats, you survived high five. And I see that with veterans when we do the house makeovers with veterans. So like your family, when we did your family there, you were very close, tight knit family loving on each other. Not everyone has that. Some veterans get out there. So it's not just dependents. And they had the structure of having a family unit of their whole, you know, squadron or wherever they were stationed. And then they're out on their own in real life feeling forgotten and alone. So I think the the bit of advice to that is, is either via social media or within your communities, finding those people who are like minded, who are maybe feeling the same, but maybe not saying it out loud And doing that or volunteering with some kind of veteran organization as a kid or an adult. Like I used to volunteer as a nerdy kid all the time. And those are some of the ways that your heart can still connect and not feel alone if you're feeling alone, redefining afterwards.
0: Yeah. And even taking, you know, that step away from the military life and, you know, transitioning into civilian life, that is one challenge in itself. But. You have so many ways that the military has taught you, whether you be a service member, a spouse or a child of how to make friends, how to, you know, put yourself out there. And it's just the matter of you doing that and taking those steps. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's hard. There's nothing about it that's easy. I mean, it's funny because when you talk about things like this, like it's the highlights and the fun, but there are a lot of lows as well. Like we all know we've cried into our pillows of, I don't want to move, or we've all felt alone because we left our friends and had to start over or all of that. So I think is just knowing that you'll be okay, that one day it'll be a story you tell and that you'll come out the other side because you have to, there's no other option, but you will.
0: Yeah. What were some of those challenges that you went through?
1: I think, you know, I w- I've i always been annoyingly optimistic. Like that's just kind of always who I was. I try to think like, you know, I think the hardest part was in high school when your dad's gone the whole time, you know, like the whole sophomore year gone, but I didn't really dwell on it. Cause I was a athlete. So I played sports all the time. Like I literally never sat still. So like my bit of advice would be keep yourself busy in a sense, get involved in your communities. That helps as well. I think the, you know, my sister and I were 17 months apart. We would duke it out. We're night and day. I'm the older sister. And like, we would argue all the time. I think the hardest part was seeing what it did to my mom. My mom having to be the lone wolf of watching our family and all of that. And my parents' marriage didn't end up a happy ending. And the strain of military and whatnot life on it um, played a role in it. Um, And that's just reality. That's just the nature of the beast as it goes. And now they're both living separate lives, doing okay. So I think just the hardest part is that you almost become so self-efficient efficient that you don't always let everyone in because you're not always raw and vulnerable because you have to harden up to, to make it. So you just keep going. So I think that's sometimes my hardest part is softening to be vulnerable because I've always just been like, and keep going.
0: Yeah. You get the shell and, you know, I see it all the time in myself where it's like, this barrier, this shell around you where it's like, okay, you have to do it all by yourself. Like you have to be that self-efficient person. And then it's like, okay, well, no, there are people I can ask for help there. You know, there are resources. There are people out there who want to help or, you know, encourage you or whatever the case may be, whatever you need. Um, You don't have to do it by yourself. And even though it may feel that way, and even though the military kind of says, Okay, you're on your own, but you're never on your own. You always have a community around you. I think that is. Asking for help is one of the
1: hardest things. When our son had 20 surgeries and whatnot, that was hard for me to be on the receiving end of things. But that, if you, anyone listening to this, if you set yourself a goal of being willing to accept help, that's the best gift you could give yourself.
0: Yeah, I think it makes a world of a difference and you don't feel alone then. And you have, you recognize you have people around you and these people around you actually do want to help and see you succeed. Yeah. And that's, you know, you guys got
1: lucky. You have the internet. You can Google (laughs) like whatever city you're in and put, you know, military kids support or things like that. Whereas in our world, it was a big, thick phone book and whatnot or some kind of paper, whatever they handed out. So for, for kids nowadays, it's really just taking the time to find the support. And I also think get off social media and live life. I think like I am pro social media. I suck at TikTok, but I love it. But I also think you're limiting yourself so you can get out there and go um, have those adventures and not just watch everyone else have them.
0: Yeah, while well, social media can be great. It's, you know, it plays a negative role sometimes and you miss out on those moments. You uh, you forget to actually live and experience, you know, whatever, li- wherever life may take you and whatever steps you're in. And it's not about showing the world your life. It's about living your own life.
1: I know, girl. I feel for kids nowadays. It's got to be hard. My only comparison was to magazines and TV and all of that. Now everyone has to compare themselves to all these other people in their face. And I just think this is, you know, just turn it off, put on the blinders and do your thing and have fun. It, you know, I, I think I'm really proud of you for having this podcast. Your story, sharing these stories will help so many people and just every single one matters. Every single listener and individual, you're going to play a role. So good job, you.
0: Thank you. Yes, military kids are so special and so important. And, you know, their stories aren't shared most of the time. It's a lot of the the service members getting recognized and the spouses are finally starting to get some recognition that they deserve as well. And the spouse community is just incredible. And I see it on Instagram all the time, but then it's like, okay, well, there's all these kids. There's, uh, I believe 1.2, I can't think billion or million right now. <laughs> I think billion a lot. more yes. than 10 there's tons of military kids out there and they're not getting recognized like they deserve to. And, you know, they've given up so much. They have, you know, moved schools, moved countries, moved states, moved, you know, tons of times they have been without their parent there. You know, some have been without both of their parents, you know, gold star families have lost someone you know purple heart families have been through injuries and it's just that the military kids don't get the recognition they deserve there's nothing out there for them there's nothing for them to look forward to um once they're done and they graduate high school it's like okay well you know i'm going on to college or i'm going you know some choose to join the military some choose not to and so it's like there's nothing for military kids to look forward to after
1: Yeah. I think the thing is, it's all on us. It's always been on us to do our own thing. And now it's on us to forge our own paths and write our own endings.
0: Yeah. And it's hard to, you know, share that and hard to like, get everyone to recognize that, you know, the military kids have to, you know, live this military life, this intense life for you know, 18 years. And then it's like, okay, that's all gone. Now Like, you have to figure out what you're going to do next. And, you know, military kids have to figure that out themselves. But that's why there's people like you, you are now one of the
1: strong voices and advocates for that um, whole group. So I just think you'll inspire someone else to do something great. So
0: good job. Yes. Thank you. Um, So tell me a little bit about how you've gotten involved with like military makeover now and how you're giving back to the military community. Yeah. So I was after I'd won
1: that HGTV show, I was a flooring spokesperson and nicely we were, they were one of the participants on the show. And I remember being there and going, you know, while it was nice, I was like, you know, they should really put make it look good too. And I remember saying to Art, the host, uh, the at the time, and going, "Hey, if you ever need a designer, hit me up. I'd be, you know, happy to help make it look good." So a year later, they were doing a makeover in Kansas City, and nicely, they called. And at the time, the host was the gunny from Full Metal Jacket and Toy Story. He played Sarge and nicely they brought me in. And so I did that and that was maybe five years ago. And now I've done maybe 18, 20 families makeovers, every single one different, every adventure. Um, And now I've been doing it. So we basically go in and you have 10 days to do as much as you can for a family, loving on them, trying to quickly figure out what you can do for them and define it quickly and, um, you know, make over a house, which you have been a participant on. So you have experienced it that way. And it's, it's bizarre television world, but I always think I get to be like Santa Claus, which is nice.
0: Yeah. And it's such an incredible journey, you know, that we went on as a family and, you know, meeting everyone and people like you, it's just so incredible. And You know, we're still loving the house and, you know, we're still, you know, it's just it's so many memories that we made through those like two weeks or whatever the time frame was. And it was such an incredible journey that, you know, not many families get to experience. And it's it's really incredible.
1: It's it's a lot of highs and lows like you got to meet wrestler Lacey Evans who's a WWE wrestler, strong female role model. I laugh because there's only like been two times where I know I've done something someone hasn't liked and your (laughs) poor sister hated her (laughs) wallpaper, which I will always remember. You know, I take it. I always never want to pretend things are perfect in life. I always share the good, the bad, the ugly, because I want people to know. And I'm like, it is hard to quickly design for people you've just met and you have good intentions and whatnot. And it always evolves. And like, I, you know, I always say the challenges and the highs and lows of it, but ultimately, you know, the my favorite part of every veteran makeover is not even, of course, it's when the family sees it and listening to what they like or don't like, but it's also all the veterans who help. When we're doing the makeover, who spend time away from their families, who come and do the work, and you watch different um, veterans meet each other and make fun of each other's branches, and it's like it's like summer camp for veterans, and everyone's getting to love on each other, and it's one of my favorite things. And then my sister who lives in Iowa, she comes down. And so it's also I get to have sister boot camp every time she's my assistant on the show. And nicely, she's only gotten mad at me twice, which is really good for us too. And so it's just all around, it's all so much love just trying to give back to each family and say thank you for what they've done as a family for the military.
0: Yeah, it's such an incredible mission that the show has. And, you know, also sharing the stories of the military families and what they've been through and, you know, just their journey as well. Well, it's fun because every family is
1: different. Every family has a different story and like the kids get to play a role too. And like one day there'll be someone who's like you who'll watch your story and go, she survived and look what she's doing and I'll do the same. Or you'll inspire one to start their own podcast and all of that. So I always just think it's beautiful stepping stones to next adventures. And, um, I love that veterans, people know me now for loving on veterans. I get the nicest messages from people of saying, thank you for what you do. Um, and like, I never knew as a military kid that this is where I would land
0: and I wouldn't have it any other way. Yes. So you've given a lot of advice throughout this podcast, but if you could give like one final piece of advice, like to any military child, what would you say? My
1: advice would be, uh, I probably break it into two things. One, while you're worrying about what you're going through, stop and look outward and see what someone else is going through. Cause you'll find solace as well in someone else in their journey, um and then number 2 you kind of touched on it too earlier is um if you switch it from a negative to a positive when you go to a new place try to find what's amazing about that place even if it's like not a cool state or not a cool place find those adventures of something cool about it in some way and that's going to make it a positive so i just think if you turn it on its head And there's a guy, an artist that I listened to. And he said, when I started changing from saying I have to go do whatever to I get to do whatever, he said, my whole world changed because um, it became such a positive. So that would be my advice of I don't have to move. I get to move.
0: Yeah. And that's funny that you say that. I always say I get to do something like When you say you have to do something, it seems it seems like you're forced to when like you can choose if you want to. So I always say I get to go to school or, you know, I get to do the podcast or, you know, I get to do this assignment, whatever the case may be. And, you know, it just makes it so much happier and so much more enjoyable and you look forward to it more. Agreed. High five, girl. Yes. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast and sharing your incredible journey. Anytime. And I will share it and cheer you on. And I can't wait to hear others. And um,
1: just thank you for what you're doing and how you're helping all those kids out there.
0: Yes. Thank you so much.
1: (laughs) Okay. You're stuck with me for life. Now we're (laughs) military friends. So anytime you need anything, you
0: hit me up. I will. Thank you so much. (laughs) Okay. Hugs to your family. Yes, of course. Same to you. Thank you. Now I get to go to work. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of Grace of Military Child podcast. If you enjoyed listening, don't forget to follow, like, share, subscribe, review, and comment. You can also follow us at Grace of a Military Child Podcast on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram for more podcast-related content. If you or someone you know is a military child who would like to be on the podcast, please send us a message to one of our social media platforms, or you can send an email to grace.of.a.military.child at gmail.com. Tune in next Thursday to hear another incredible journey.